take you guys back to 2009. This is when I was actually a youth pastor here. And this is my wife, if you notice, on the left, my wife, Jessie. Not Jessie on the right. Jessie, not Jessie. Anyway, my wife and I, we were married six weeks when we took this picture in Berlin. This is at Alexander Platz. If you ever watch Born Identity, there's a scene in Alexander Platz. Go watch it. It's great. Anyway, so, um, so my wife and I are there, and we're there for a specific reason. Actually, this was the second leg of the trip. The first leg of the trip is we were having, we had a ministry in Romania that we supported, and there was trouble brewing there. And so <clears throat> instead of them sending my mom the, the missions pastor, they, no, 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 they thought it was great to send Andy and his new wife on a confrontation tour of Europe. And it was awesome. And so we had to go and kind of deal with some stuff there in Romania. And Alan graciously said, you know what, as a consolation, we're going to give you a second honeymoon and send you to Berlin. There's a ministry there that I want you to, to see if we can do a mission trip, you know, with them. And so I was like, okay, I get to go to Europe. And so not too disappointed, we went and did our confrontation tour, and then we flew into Berlin. And my wife and I, we've traveled the world doing mission trips. Like at, at 15, God got a hold of my heart here in, in Granbury, and I knew, I knew I was going to give everything to the Lord. And then that next summer, I went on a mission trip, and I was like, done. My life's changed. I'm going to do this for my life. This is what I'm going to do. And, um, but you travel sometimes, and you're like, oh, this is a great place. And you're like, I don't want to be a missionary here. <laughs> you know, like you just, you kind of get this sense. And so my wife and I, we landed in Berlin, and we were only there four days. And I remember sitting at this, uh, this kind of restaurant cafe there in Berlin. My wife across from me, and I was like, I don't know what it is, but... I just feel like we're going to live here someday. And she's like, I feel like we're going to live here too someday. I don't know what it is. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we, we just like kind of tucked that away. It's like, I think Berlin's somewhere in our future. And so we came back home. We were praying. And then six months later, the Lord calls us out of Granbury, out of Texas. And we're like, we're going to Florida. <laughs> Not expected. And uh, we were in Florida for seven years. It was an amazing time where God really matured us a lot. And I went on staff at a church there. And, man, God just did, did a lot of things um, in this church. And so uh, when I was on staff, we had one of those prayer and fasting weeks that churches do. And, um, and there was this one morning that they're like, Andy, we need you to lead worship for this. And I was like, but it's at 6 a.m. They're like, get here. You don't have an option. So I get there, and I lead worship, and I'm sitting there in the congregation during the prayer time, and the focus of it was the nations, which if you know me, that's like my jam. I'm like, yeah, like, let's do this. So I'm like jumping in wholeheartedly praying, and um, I had this moment where I just sat down in my seat, and the Lord said, Andy, get prepared. Berlin's your next season. No, we were praying for the nations. Like, I didn't realize you were calling. Like, this was the calling day. So Jess and I just had our firstborn six months prior. And I'm, like, welling up the courage, you know, to be, like, go home, like, baby, sweetie, honey, love of my life. Can we take our daughter and leave our families and go around the world? You know, like, thinking in my mind, like, this is going to be a train wreck. And so I go home. My wife was with our daughter, Olivia, and um, 
if you want to see, this is a picture of our family. Um, my oldest, Olivia, she was only six months at this time, and I went home, and I was like, Jess, what would you think of Berlin with our next season? And she's like, this morning, the Lord spoke to me that Berlin's our next season. I already know. I was like, oh, my God. All right. The Lord spoke to us both, same day, same time, different places. And so it was just obvious. So it was this journey, about a year of just praying through it, getting in unity with the elders and the pastors, and then God sent us out in 2016. March of 2016, we landed. And um, it was, like I said, the cactus just, whether we wanted to embrace it, it just stuck to us. And we're like, oh. um, But God taught us so much. And in that time, one of the things that he taught us was why a lot of the church in Europe is the way that it is and why people are leaving it, and the divisions, and the manipulation, and the control, and the divisiveness, and all this sort of stuff. We were just like observing and being like, what is going on here? Like this is, you know, culturally it's just different. And so um, we had a season, if you were here two years ago, and you heard my wife teaching, which I recommend you go back and listen to because it's great teaching. Um, She shared, there was just a time that we just stopped going to church. Not because we were, we were fellowshipping with people. We were discipling people. We had like five discipleship groups still going on during this time. But we were just like, we've got to hit the pause and figure out what is God's heart? What is his, what is this, what does the church look like scripturally? Like what is his desire for the church? And just had like a four-month process of just reprogramming and hearing from the Lord. And um in this time, we went and visited this one church. and um, or Actually, we visited it for two weeks. The first week, the church was like, I don't know, a quarter of the sanctuary was full of people. Not, not many people there. And, um, and so we were like, okay. And they had made an announcement that somebody was coming the next week. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And so we came back the next week, not because of the speaker, but apparently the church just like quadrupled in size because of this one speaker. And we watched as all these people were flocking here because this person was coming to speak on behalf of the Lord to the people. And people were just wanting to hear something from God. I'm just, I just want to hear. I just, just give me a word. Just give me a word. And they were just flocking. And it was, it was just kind of this like circus that was going on. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And afterwards, we're processing, we're walking away, and the, and, and the Lord's like, people here don't know how to study my word, and they don't know how to hear my voice. I want you guys to start a church and teach people those two things. How do you study my word, and how do you hear my voice? Because if you can teach the church to do that, I can do anything through them. I can speak, I can lead. You just teach them to be obedient. <sighs> okay. So September of 2019, we started a house church, and um, it was great. started with seven people. We were super excited. Started going through the book of Acts together as a church, and um, what was amazing is within six months, we grew up from seven people to one. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was, I'm going to write a book on how to do this, and it's going to be awesome. So we had, for six weeks straight, we had one person 
the same person show up. And it was a real test for Jess and I. It's like, how faithful are you going to be when I give you one? And, you know, we were, I, I wish I could sit there and say we were super spiritual. There were weeks that we were like, let's just shut this down. You know, like, this is, and the Lord's like, no, you're, no, you're not going to do that. And so for six weeks, we just poured into this woman. We got her, we first met her when she was 19, 19 years old. And um, she was just broken. She was just broken. She had come to Berlin from South Africa. And if you don't know Berlin, and you're going to learn about Berlin today, I'm going to educate you. Um, Berlin is a place of complete and total destruction of the individual lives. It's wreaking havoc on its population. And this girl just got swept into it. And so she came to us just broken. And so we were just like, we're going to disciple you. We're just going to pour it into you. And so these six weeks, we just focused on her. What are the gaps? What does she not know? What does she need to know? What is the Holy Spirit ministering? What does he want to say? And so she just stuck with it. And at the end of the six weeks, we had this conversation with her. I think it's a conversation that's pretty necessary for the body of Christ in general. And for some of you here, I think this is a word for you. We just told her, look... It's great that you're coming. It's great that you're receiving. You're not pouring out. You're doing nothing with this. And so we think that you need to find an outlet to share Christ with people. And so we've been working, at that time, we had been working with an organization named Alabaster Jar, and it's a great organization. And they minister to, um, I'm trying to, there are some younger, younger kids here. They minister to street workers, we'll call it that. Sex traffic. Um, and, and they minister to these people. And we go to them every single week. And we hand them things that they need. We, we give them coffee. We give them food. We give them, we give them things that they need. And just love on them. My wife and I had been serving in the ministry. I was not the front line. My wife was direct with, with the women and men, actually. It's also a problem with men as well. And so she was ministering there. I was on the prayer team, which I just love prayer walking and, you know, going to, going to battle in this. And so we were like, Teresa, you, need, you just need to come serve with this ministry. I think it's going to be healthy for you. And so she kind of reluctantly agreed and, and came. And, and Alabaster Jar has uh, this one, there was this one guy that we had connected with that was on staff there. His name is Nick. And um, by the way, the girl's name is Teresa, in case I didn't say that. Anyway, Nick um, is a missionary from Wisconsin, and, um, and he, uh, he, God got, his, got a hold of his life when he was in college, just completely wrecked him. He grew up in a messed up family, goes to college, the gospel gets shared with him, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he gets this heart for these people that are being trafficked all over the world. He served in Thailand. And then he came to Berlin, Germany, as a missionary specifically to minister to this, which I need you to understand, this is not common right now in this field of ministry to have men that get a heart for this. And Nick is a unique dude. He gets a heart for these women and for these men, and he is just a servant. And so he's just, we just have the greatest thoughts for him. And so Nick is there, and and we had realized Nick has some gaps too, and we just wanted to disciple him, so we were inviting him to house church. So Teresa goes and serves at Alabaster Jar, 
Nick starts joining us in house church, and all of a sudden, woo, sparks started flying. <laughs> and, um, and, and God clearly was just bringing these two people together. Two years ago, Jess and I got to marry them in our garden, and it was a beautiful thing. This is a picture of them, Nick and Teresa, right there. And so um, this couple, I, I, I want to bring them to your attention. And if you're taking notes or writing anything down, I want you to write Nick and Teresa Heil because this is going to be a key, these are going to be key partners in the future ministry of what we do because they're going to be taking over our house church. We've invested into them for five years. God has spoken to them. Nick has been just stepping up into the call of God on his life. And it's very exciting to see. And so anyway, um, two years ago, we came and spoke here. This was right before they got married. And then from here, we went to Colorado. And during this time in Colorado, I was having this time with the Lord. And um, I heard very clearly, remember back in uh, uh, when I was in Florida, God said, your next season is Berlin. So I'm sitting there having this time with the Lord And I hear very clearly from the Holy Spirit, your season in Berlin is coming to an end. I got to be honest with you. I didn't know what to do with that. Again, I'm like, I got to bring this to my wife, (laughs) you know. Um, So I bring it to her. And I'm like, God, or not God, (laughs) Jess, this is what God spoke to me. And so we just started praying about it. And then a week later, I have a dream. And now I, I don't pretend to, be a, a dream guy from the Lord, but God does periodically give me dreams. And in this dream, there are these demonic spirits that are trying to come into the city of Berlin, gross, perverse spirits that are trying to get, come in, and they're, they're crying out, let us in. And I found myself in the, in the dream standing over my family and holding back these principalities and powers they were trying to come into the, to my family and coming into the city. And it got in the dream, it got so heavy and so weighty that I, was, I cried out to the Lord. And the Lord very clearly said, Andy, you need to take your family, leave the city, and don't look back. I woke up, told Jess, I'm like, okay, I, I, I mean, now this is the second word from the Lord in a week on this. I'm like, okay, God, you know, one of the things that we have very much committed to, and I think it's just the simplicity of following Jesus is when he speaks, we say yes. We just keep saying yes to him. I mean, if you really want to know the simplicity of my life, it's that simple. He speaks, I say yes. I get get scared if I start saying no. And so, so Jess and I were like, okay, God, we feel like you're, you're leading us this direction, but then what does that mean? What does that look like for us? Are we called back to the United States? Are we called to somewhere else in Germany, somewhere else in Europe, somewhere in Africa, somewhere in Asia, somewhere in Russia? Definitely not Russia. No, absolutely not. But where are you calling us to? Where are you calling us to? And so anyway, um, that was a journey that we were taking with the Lord. And so we decided the summer of... 2021, that we were just going to go exploring. We were going to explore, and our, our, our basis for exploring is probably lame, but we're like, who do we know? Who can we visit? And get a lay of the land, get a feel for what God's doing there, 
what are the needs, all this sort of stuff. So we picked three places. We picked Estonia, which if you don't know where that is, don't worry. I grew up in Granbury, too. I didn't know where it was. Um, it's, right, it's literally the neighbor to Russia. Okay, So we picked Estonia because we had ministry partners there. We picked southern Germany because we had ministry partners there. And we picked Switzerland. And I still don't know why we picked Switzerland, but we did because we don't know anybody in, the, in Switzerland. <laughs> but we were just like, let's try it. Let's see what God's going to do. So we went to Estonia, and we came back, and we're like, we could do it. The people are great. The food. Um, but, but yeah, we were, we were like, we could do that. I don't think we'd be in disobedience if we stepped out in faith there. But we didn't feel like that drawing of the Holy Spirit there. Then we flew into Switzerland. And upon landing, Jess and I looked at each other and we're like, nope. <laughs> nope. This ain't it. We knew it. We just knew it instantaneously. Then we went to southern Germany. We have some friends there, some good friends there. And uh, we were just, he was taking us around, showing us everything, and just kind of sensing, no, this isn't it either. So God, what are we doing? What are we doing? And our friend, he was like, hey, why don't you guys go across the border? Just go across the border for three days. Relax. You know, don't worry about this whole stuff. And I was like, ah, you want me to go into France? But I don't like the French. They don't like the No, well, anyway, so, so anyway, we reluctantly said yes. We went across the border and um, went into the small kind of village there. And um, all of a sudden, like, Jess and I were like, something was just awakening in us. And we started meeting the French people and speaking with speaking as best as we can with them. And um, there was just like this weird change in me. It was like, what is going on? I didn't like the French. Why do I all of a sudden like them now? And, um, and we, uh, the, the Alsace Valley is really, is really spectacular, and it lies in between these two mountain ranges. One is on Germany's side, and one is on uh, the other side of Alsace the, uh, in the French area. And um, there's all these hiking paths. So we were like, Look, let's just go hiking. Let's go. There's these old ruins up on the top of this mountain. Now, if you're from Colorado, that's offensive, I get, because it's not a mountain at that stage. But for French, it's a mountain. So we go and hike up this mountain. And um, there was this moment where I looked out over the, the Alsace Valley. And I, it, it, it's really unique because there's like every five minutes away is a new village. And I, I had this haunting thought that the Lord put in my mind. Um, who, who's reaching these people? Like, uh, who, who's even focusing on these tiny villages? Like, I don't even know who, who's, who's focusing on that. And so it was this question that just could not, I could not get away from. And um, so kept asking it. We came back. My wife was like, all of a sudden, she's like, I don't know why, but I need to learn French. Now, if you know my wife, you know she has a gift that is unfair to the, ma the majority of us, that she can just walk into a culture and is like, oh, that's the language, and start speaking. And I'm like, that's not cool. Like, not cool. <laughs> she picked up German before me. She's already fluent in Spanish. You know, and I'm just like, that's not cool. And she just picks up French, and I'm like, ah. Oh. 
it's going to take me like 10 years to learn this language. And in like six months, you're like fluent. That's not cool. So anyway, God just starts putting a heart for France in us. And we're like, this is bizarre, but we need to keep pushing forward in this. And so we're just like, any opportunity that we can, we're like looking on the like really cheap flights. You know, you guys, you guys do it. You know, it's like, where, how fast? And Europe is really cool because it's like, for 25 euros, you can fly to and from France. And we're like, book it, you know? And so, um, so we just went exploring and just like, okay, God, you're drawing us here, but where in France? Where would you call us? What would you do? And, um, and you know, kind of just made these like blitz tours to, to, to try to figure out what is God's heart? Where is he calling us to? And so... During that time, we just kind of went from like, is this, is this, is this to like, yes, we are saying yes to this next step. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen to our house church. I don't know what's, I don't know, but we're committing to say yes to this. And as we're continuing to step out in faith there, we start seeing something radical happening in Berlin that we had never seen in the six years that we were there for. And it was this weird thing called fruit. I mean, it was just, it was like, and you, you got to understand, when I was here at Generations Church as a youth pastor, I had one of the women in the church, she, we, we would have these prayer meetings, and she just walked up to me and grabbed my hand, and she's like, you're a plowman. And I was like, shut up. She, she's like, you are a plowman, and you are called to till hard soil and break it up. And you may never see fruit. But that's what you're called to do. And I, I got to tell you, I was really mad. I mean, I was really like, what? No. Like, I want to be the, the harvester guy, you know? The one that's like, look, that's the people. And so for six years, we were just like, I mean, plowing German soil is like eating German bread. It can break teeth. It's tough. <laughs> it is tough. And... um which I do love German bread. If you are of German descent, I'm making fun of Germans, but I love them. I really do. Um, so, so anyway, we start seeing this fruit start to happen. Like all of a sudden, like there was this one woman that came into our church about a year and a half ago, and she's sharing her testimony of how she came to Christ. And we're like, how did you come to Christ? She's like, well, I was totally into all these cults, I was seeking new age. I was, like, she was like the embodiment. She had pursued all of what is evil in Berlin. She had pursued it in her life. Or it was done against her. I should, some of that too. And I won't go into detail on that. But she was like in a cafe reading a book. And it was a book by an author out of California. And in the book, he wrote this line. And that was the time I gave my life to Jesus. And then he just went on. Didn't expound on it. Didn't do anything. He just, and that's the time I gave my life to Jesus. And she had never heard of this before. What do you mean, give your life to Jesus? And at the back of the book, the author put his email address. I mean, that's pretty, I would not do that, but he did. <laughs> and so she was like, what did you mean on page da-da-da-da when you said, and that's when I gave my life to Jesus? Okay, we're in Berlin. She emails a guy in California. It's the middle of the night. He gets this email and is on a Zoom call with, with her within 15 minutes of that email. And he lays out the entire gospel for this woman, 
how Christ came to redeem, to set her free, that God loves her and has a plan for her. Well, she didn't know what to do with it. She took her laptop, ran into the cafe bathroom, and gave her life to Jesus over Zoom with this guy. And then COVID happened. And so he's like sitting there like, church is in Berlin, church is in Berlin, church is in Berlin. So he sends her to this church, but all the churches are closed. So they're all doing online stuff. So she had never walked into a church before. And so that church is in partnership with Alabaster Jar. So Jess is on outreach one week and Antonia is there. And Jess is like, well, tell me your story. So she starts sharing this, and Jess is crying, and she's crying because it's her life and what God's done. And Jess is like, do you go to a church? She's like, well, yeah, but I only, it's online. I was like, stop it. Come to our church. We meet in person. It's in a cafe. Like, we just want to love on you. So she shows up, and she just is a sponge She is like, I want the word of God. I want to learn. I want to understand everything. Like, she is just hungry. And this woman brings her mom to church. And so her mom starts coming week after week, week after week. We're not sure what is happening with this woman. One day, Jess felt led by the Lord to ask Marion, Marion, what do you believe? Who do you believe Jesus is? And she had a hard time answering. And Jess is like, do you believe he's the son of God? Yeah, I do believe he's the son of God. Do you believe he came in the flesh? Yes, I do believe he came in the flesh. Do you believe he died on the cross? Yes, I do. Do you believe he rose again? Yeah. Do you believe he died for your sins? Uh, Long pause. And finally she thought through it. She's like, yeah, I do believe. Do you want to give your life to Jesus today? She's like, yes, I do. So just led her to Christ. And then... About a month later, Antonia comes to us, and she's like, I need to be delivered. I, I, I'm just being tormented. Um, you got to remember, she, she had opened up all these doors prior to coming to Jesus, to the enemy. And it was just wreaking havoc on her mind, on her heart. Her health was being affected by this. And she's like, I, I, I need to get free of this. Now, I've been very blessed and thankful that I have not had to, in all my ministry life, do deliverance. I, I just put that on Alan and Yvette when I was here. I was like, they can do it. I'm going to go play my little guitar and minister to teenagers. Um, and so, um, so Jess and I had no clue what this would look like. And so we're calling up anyone and everyone we know that has walked people through this process and I actually called up Alan one day. I was like, Alan, I'm SOS. I need your help here. And it just so happened that Greg was there with him. And so I got a double, a double dose of wisdom and counsel from these men. Got, felt, felt like we got armed, got prepared. And then we sat down with this woman and for four hours walked her through freedom, complete and total freedom of everything that the enemy had stolen, destroyed, controlled, manipulated. It was gone. And it was powerful. It was really powerful. Like I love today that we're singing about the name and the authority of Jesus. I can testify. I have seen it on display. He has shown it off. And there is no name greater than the name of Jesus. Amen. Demons do cower and free. And there was this one time that... She was manifesting something, and uh, 
this demon declared himself to be God Almighty. And we're like, no use, is it? And um, my wife, in her discernment, um, remembered Philippians 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So by the authority of Jesus, confess Jesus as Lord. And this... I mean, this manifestation, she was like, and they were like, nope, I'm not doing it. And Jess is like, by the authority of the name of Jesus, you will confess him as Lord. And we saw this thing cower and tremble. He's like, Jesus, this Lord, say it again. Jesus, Lord. By the authority of Jesus, we command you to go. And he left. But what was cool is from that point, we didn't have to lead her anymore. We would identify it and she would take authority. She would walk in the authority of Christ and command it to go by the authority of Jesus. And one by one, she was breaking free. And by the end of it, by four hours, we sat there. We're like, Antonia, is is there anything else? She's like, I'm free. I am free. And so we were like, oh my gosh, God did an amazing work in this woman's life. So then the problem with that is when somebody gets free like that, they don't shut up. And so just like the woman at the well, she's going around telling everyone. Now, she was previously married to a man who was incredibly evil and did horrendous things to her, abuse, all sorts of stuff. Three days later, she's at the doctor, and guess who shows up? Her ex-husband shows up, and she, she, again, God has set this woman free, and she is fearless now, and so she's sitting there sharing the testimony of what God did in her life to set her free from everything that had happened in her life with her ex-abusive husband. She's like, Jesus is the only one that can free you and save you and sharing Jesus with him. Well, it turns out every time she goes to the doctor, because she has to go pretty regularly, um, he's showing up too at the same time. Coincidence? I don't think so. So every week for like the last three months, this guy keeps showing up and she keeps sharing the gospel with him and keeps sharing further and further details of how God has set her free. And so as I'm flying over here, I get this message from my wife. And she's telling me, so Antonio's at the doctor. Ex-husband shows up. And he turns to her. He's like, hey, would it be possible if I came to your church? And so Antonio was like, "Mm, uh, mm." and so she's asking Jess. She's like, is it okay if I invite him to come to church? And you got to understand, there's like a protector kind of, you know, attitude. And the Lord had to really quickly in jest be like, if you say yes to this because I have a work to do. And so Jess says yes. And she's like, oh, good, because I already invited him. He's coming in three weeks. <laughs> so when we come back, we get to minister to this man. 
And we're praying for his salvation and his deliverance as well. And so, again, we've just been walking people through freedom. We've been seeing our church get free. Not only has Antonia been able to forgive her ex-husband, in the prayer time, the women, she stops everything. She's like, I have to say something. And she goes to her mom that's there, and she gets on her knees. She's like, Mom, I just need to, I need to let you know. I forgive you for everything, for the abandonment, for everything that you ever said to me, for all the things that you've done. I forgive you. And the power of the Holy Spirit shows up in this moment. And we just see God reconciling this mother and daughter. It's just been, it's just a fruit. It's been amazing. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered. And in the process, we're like trying to figure out what to do for the next step for our church because we're leaving. We know we're leaving. And so we spoke to that girl that was six weeks, just her and her husband, and said, would you guys take over? And they said, no. No, they said, absolutely not. I don't want to do this. (laughs) And, um... We were like, all right, Lord, well, we want you guys to pray about it. Okay, we'll pray about it. And um, over the process of a couple months, you know, we're having discussions with them, you know, what God's doing, the next steps, all this sort of stuff. And Nick came to us about a month and a half ago, him and Teresa both. And they were like, hey, God's spoken to us, and we do, we do want to say yes to this. And so in July, we are stepping into a new season in France. We're moving to France this July. Nick and Teresa are taking over the house church, but we're not, we're not putting all the responsibility on them because there's a lot of responsibility to teach every single week. You guys don't know the amount of weight and responsibility that Pastor Allen has every week to, to feed you. And so um, in that, the Lord has provided other teachers in our church, Antonia being one of them. So she's part of our teaching team now that we're developing and discipling in order to feed the sheep when we leave. There's another brother, and I love this brother. His name is Santi, Santi, and he comes from Colombia. And Santi is just this dynamite evangelist. He's 24 years old. He's young. He's young. But this dude loves Jesus. And he came over to Berlin to do an internship in the Colombian uh, embassy. And, I mean, everywhere he goes, he's sharing Jesus to the point that they're like, you legally can't do that in the office. You know, like, it's like, it's taboo. So anyway, one of the high officials in Colombia were in Berlin, and they took him to lunch. (laughs) Santi's like, Hermano, it was amazing. The door to the gospel just opened, and I stepped through it, and I shared the gospel with this high minister in Colombia. And I, just, I just shared Jesus with them, and they loved it. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? You did what? He's like, yeah, the door to the gospel just opened to me. And I was like... Then walk on through, brother. So he's joining our teaching team that we're discipling and we're training how to teach the word of God, how to disciple people, how to understand and unpack these things. And so we're very excited. Every single week, we're discipling people. 
we're, we're discipling our leaders, and then we're discipling the church on two different occasions. And it's really this exciting thing, what God is doing in the midst of our church. And, and it's also challenging. There's also challenges that are happening. You know, with transition, there comes offenses and things like that. <clears throat> and so, so today, what I want to do to kind of close out is I want to real quickly, I want to educate you guys, again, educate you guys, on how, oh, yeah, I want to educate you how, on how you can partner with us effectively in prayer. Because you got to understand, there are some things that we can't necessarily share with the masses because there's a lot of different trains of thoughts when it comes to these things. Um, but uh, remind me to come back to this, this couple. They're, by the way, this is, this is Nellie and Yasmin Pichin. Pichin. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Anyway, they're, they're a couple we've been discipling for five years also. And they've agreed that they're going to move to France with us to help us start a house church there. And so we have a team. Now we've got a team of people coming with us. And so we're very excited. So also praying for Nelly and Yasmin as they're doing that move. He's Australian, French, she's German, and they are phenomenal. They, I, I hope one day you guys get to meet this couple because they are just such a huge blessing. So anyway, also pray for them as you're praying for Nick and Teresa. So <clears throat> as, as, as I want to teach you guys today, and again, this is going to be very brief, I want, I want you to understand a couple things. Ephesians 6 talks about this, and I... My heart was really to unpack this entire chapter, but for the sake of time, I realized you guys can't be here till three. So anyway, um, I, I want you to, to understand what we deal with because Ephesians 6 talks about, tells the church to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against what? Flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. Not against those liberals. It's not against those conservatives. It's not against the, it's not flesh and blood. But our struggle and our fight is against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So as God has been walking us through this, how do, how do you walk people through freedom and deliverance one of the things that the Lord has been revealing to us is there are rulers and authorities and principalities and powers that are ruling over Berlin. And these things are, these are the things that are wreaking havoc in German society and in Berlin society. Because you've got to understand, Berlin is the capital of Germany. And these are over, these are the spirits that are controlling that city and therefore controlling that country. And Germany is the most influential of the countries within the EU. So what's happening in this city, and you partnering with us to pray for the people in this city, to pray for the church in this city, pray for the believers, has a massive impact on what happens in Berlin, in Germany, in Europe. One could even say throughout the world. It's a gateway. And so I want to educate you on what God has revealed to us as what are we dealing with. And then here at the end, I'm going to ask Greg to come up, and we, as the body of Christ, are going to pray today. I don't want to do that. Too bad. You're, it doesn't matter. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are called to pray. 
You don't get out of it. So we're going to pray. Okay. You guys are like, I'm never invited. I'm never coming back when you speak. You make me pray. So, so this is what we're dealing with in Berlin. And these are, the, these are eight. Eight that I've been able to identify. There may be more. But this is what we've over, over seven years have seen wreaking havoc within our society. Sexual perversion is by, and far, by far the largest that we deal with. I can't go throughout the city without seeing pornography. It is everywhere. The evil that goes on, and it, it used to be hidden, it's now on full display. I have to raise my daughters. I've had to raise my daughters in this kind of perversion, and it is everywhere. And so this is a spirit that we are dealing with. So we are joining with the believers there, first of all, to pray for their purity and to pray for their protection, that they not fall prey to the sexual perversion that is over this city, but also that the church together joins together to tear down this stronghold. And they can. They can. It's going to take some work, but they can do it. So sexual perversion is the first one. Fear is the, the next one. Now this, COVID just brought this out and everywhere. I mean, around the world, but I just saw it wreaking havoc. So you got to remember Berlin is in former Eastern Europe. Former Eastern Europe was communist, and they had the Stasi, or Stasi, however you want to say it. Anyway, it was this network of espionage that was happening on the people. That mentality still exists within Berlin. And during this COVID thing, the fear within people just exploded everywhere. Neighbors spying on neighbors, police being called everywhere. I mean, the police and I are almost on first name basis now because I've gotten it called on me so many times <laughs> for my daughters playing in our apartment. I kid you not. So anyway, fear is at an all-time high in trying to control people's lives. People literally, there were people I know in Berlin that they didn't leave their apartment for six months. They were so afraid. And it just grips the heart of this nation. Everything that, everything that they do is, is out of fear in some form or fashion. So we're praying that the believers who have not been given a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind, walk in that confidence, walk in that authority, and that the church together tears down the spirit of fear. And that the perfect love of Christ casts out this spirit from our city. Racism and hatred, well done. We don't have to look very far back into Berlin and Germany's history to see this one, right? This one is still there. And when we moved there, it was the middle of the whole refugee movement out of Middle East into Europe. Berlin took on 100,000 refugees within one year. 100,000 refugees. That's a lot. That's a lot of refugees. And so when this started happening, racism all of a sudden went, whew, and it was hiding underneath the surface. And now it's just every, it's on full display everywhere. Oh, those Arabs, oh, those Persians, oh, those... It's everywhere. And this has even infiltrated, unfortunately, the church within Berlin and Germany. I wish that was not the case. But it is happening on wide scale right now. And so we need to pray against that, that the believers 
can recognize and repent of racism and hatred because that is an evil. We were created in the image of God. Let me say that again. We were created in the image of God. So my brother from Iran, or my, as my Iraqi friend likes to say, my Habibi, it's like closer than a brother phrase, my Habibi from Iraq, I can love. Families from Argentina, families from Israel, family, I can love them. And the church needs to be the shining example and lead the way on how to tear down hatred and racism. And so we need to pray for the church that they not walk in it, that they walk in the opposite spirit of that, that they repent of any of that, and that they tear down that stronghold over that city and over that nation, okay? Control and manipulation. This is very close to fear. It's t- it, they operate together. But control and manipulation, and this is wreaking havoc within the churches specifically. We've gone into tribalism within the church in Berlin. You're mine. No, you can't. No, you're mine. I control you. I kid you not. This is everywhere within Berlin. So control and manipulation. This is a big spirit that is on on display here. And so we're going to pray, first of all, that the church doesn't walk in control and manipulation, but in humility and in unity and loving and preferring our brothers and sisters rather than getting being selfish and self-centered. And so we're praying against manipulation and control within the church, that they relinquish that, that they unify, and that they tear this stronghold down in Berlin. Lies, we, I mean, we know he's the father of lies. It's not. It's not new. Um, but lies are, are everywhere. The belief that is all throughout Berlin, Germany, Europe, it doesn't matter where you go. This thing is just constantly speaking, constantly deceiving, constantly. Keep in mind, I live in a city, Berlin is 3.7 million people. 3.7 million people. Of that, statistically, they're saying at best, there's 1.5% of that population that is a follower of Jesus. So, these are people that have responded to truth, okay? That means I got 98.5% of the population that is listening to the lies of the enemy day in, day out. I used to, when I was a youth pastor here, I had this teaching, and it's just always stuck with me. It probably didn't with, my teen, with the youth, but it stuck with me, um, that uh, in order for us to know what the lie is, we have to know what the truth is. You know, counterfeit, the people that work at the Federal Reserve and they're in the counterfeit department, they're not looking at counterfeit money. They're looking only at the real thing. They know the feel, the touch, the look, the design, everything. They know it all, and they have that perfect, so they can flip through, stop, that's counterfeit. Stop, that's counterfeit. They know the truth of what it is. We know the truth, and we have the truth. And so the way to, con- to identify and to combat a lie is to stand firm on the truth. And so we need the church in Berlin standing firm on the truth, not straying away, being like, oh, yeah, we don't, the Bible's not 100% true. No, 
We stand on the truth as the church. And as we stand on the truth as the church, we can identify the lies of the enemy. And then as a church, tearing down. We tear down those lies. Division. Again, Berlin, I'm going to do a history lesson here. In case you don't know this, if you're under the age of 35, you don't know this probably because I don't think they teach it. But anyway, there was a time in Berlin or in Germany where the country was split in two. It was divided. And in Berlin, Berlin was divided. I actually live in West Berlin, in case you were curious. I live in West Berlin. We were the section that was surrounded by the Berlin Wall, and people were trapped in this section here. So division is a rampant thing that's still in operation today. And this is also a big problem within the church. There's a lot of division. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to like duck and cover. This is not a problem just in Germany. This is a stronghold here. And I'll, I'll be as bold to say this is a stronghold here in Granbury that the church needs to unify around and tear this stronghold down. And so, so we need the spirit of unity, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like oil poured down Aaron's beard. I love ZZ Top here. I love it. Pour down Aaron's beard. <laughs> Sorry, man. I love it. I love it. Um, it's like oil poured down his beard, down his garments. It's there where the Lord commands his blessing. Yes, true. Commands it. It's not a suggestion. When we dwell together in unity, he's like blessed. Blessed. Amen. Division needs to be torn down. Shame. Germany cannot get away from what they've done. It's not hidden. Well, let me say this. If if you're in college or high school or junior high, let me explain to you. There was a war called World War II. I don't know if they teach this anymore, but I'm going to say it. And in this war, the evils of the Nazi regime murdered 7 million Jews. You don't walk away from that and not have any shame. And shame infiltrates the entire culture of Germany. In school, they teach through shame. My daughter went through, she, we put her first in a German school. In the first year, at the end of the year, they give a report card, but it's really a written thing. And in America... We teach our teachers to find the good. What are they doing well? How do I encourage them? Like, that's the American mentality. We had a three-page report of all the things my daughter was failing in. Three pages, first grade. (laughs) Shame. Shame. This is permeated in the fiber of this society. And you know what? As, as we've been walking through this, we've learned that the opposite spirit of shame is honor. Yeah. We need to be, the Berlin church needs to be a church of honor. Yeah. Are we honoring each other? And so we're praying that the church would walk in honor, that the spirit of shame would have no place within the body of Christ, and that they would tear down that stronghold off that city, off of that nation, and off of Europe, because Europe has a lot of blood on its hands 
And the church needs to be the one to tear down that shame. Death and suicide. I'm going to speak to this right now. When I left, it had been four weeks since we had seen the sun. Berlin sits during, between October and March, sits under this blanket of gray clouds. Actually, when I flew out, weird, we flew out, we went through the clouds, and then all of a sudden there was more clouds above us. We were like in this gap, and like, we have a double layer of clouds that are blocking the sun. Psychologically, that does a number, but this is the season in Berlin where the enemy has a playground that he just wreaks havoc on it. The suicide rates go up, the depression rates go up, the anger, I have been cussed out more than I know. I know a lot of German cuss words now. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, And this is a real thing. Obviously, again, the history of Germany, we know that this has been an operation and it's still wreaking havoc all throughout our society, all throughout our city. And so the church stands in the opposite direction. Christ came, well, I love John 10.10. It gives gives Satan's job description, right? It's like the enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. All right, that's in there. What has Jesus said? But I came to give life and life more abundantly. We need a church that's walking out in the abundant life of Jesus. And so I'm asking you guys to join with us in praying that the church tear down the spirit of death and suicide because it is prevalent everywhere.